This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh, you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. All right. Welcome to episode 15. Hello. Hey, Dow. Uh, How you doing, man? We we have passed five episodes past when most people pod fade. We're gonna keep pushing, man. We got yeah. more movies to watch, more <laughs> more weird shit to discuss. Yeah, a bunch of weird shit. So especially uh, in this episode, <laughs> uh, I have a story or a discussion to bring up. Yeah, uh, when I was a kid. Uh, uh, in uh, Garland Richardson, uh, they used to be all these stories about Ranch 111. Have you heard of this? Ranch 111, no. Yeah, it's in Richardson, and they have converted it into a park now. But it was uh, on the outskirts of town, and this is where all the Satan worshippers were. Uh, so, you know, you would uh, drive out there and look for, uh, you know, basically an excuse to freak out your girlfriend and get them to fuck you in the car. You know? <laughs> because that's what girls do when they get scared. They immediately crave dick. Oh, they do. They go, oh my God, nothing can save me from the devil than a huge, well. <laughs> I want to see the horror movie, you're right. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun, it's, wouldn't it? He's coming for us with an axe. Drop your pants. Yeah, it's usually the other way around, but you know. <laughs> yeah, so I was curious if you guys, uh, where you li- uh, lived, had uh, one of those stories because they're all these urban myths. You know, they always had it. When I lived uh, in Duncanville, uh, there was a place called Green Hill that they said what you know had uh ghosts in the house and all kinds of crazy shit so it's funny how uh these urban myths always uh, seem to happen you know well yeah there's this at my comic book shop they they put out these stickers for all the urban legends uh-huh. and so like you've heard of uh, the Hops- hopkinsville uh um uh, invasion Oh no! Uh-uh. Oh, it's it's supposedly one of the most. It, it's like the largest group of people who've identified an a, aliens, and the story goes that it was a whole family that was like adults and kids, and I think they were having a birthday party, and these aliens showed up, and like everyone who has been interviewed about it talked and said. Oh, yeah, and they explain them specifically the same and everything. It's supposedly like the biggest group of people. And, and, and the fact that kids were able to explain what these aliens look like. Yeah. Uh, and it not be like, well, I guess you could consider it mass hysteria for the amount of people. But, yeah, this uh, at my comic shop, they have all these urban legend stickers like that. And they uh, he goes, they just don't have a lady of the lake. Oh, just the Dallas big ghost. That's the one I know. Yeah, there's a lady. It was White Rock, right? Uh, uh, maybe, yeah. or it kept changing. Sometimes you, it you was would drive, drive White Rock, and she would be hitchhiking. Yeah, and then when you took her to the place she was going, it would just be a wet spot on your car. Yeah, but uh, that was a rumor in. All over the country, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, I, I guess specific to uh, Dallas, that's the biggest one I know of. Yeah. And everyone kind of has a lady at the lake, and then there's the Goat Man. Oh yeah, yeah. He was on Saturday Night Live for a while. 
<laughs> well, not that goat man. <laughs> <laughs> the goat man of, I don't know where it was, what it was like some area that we went camping as kids as part of a day camp. And that was like the legend that there was this half man, half goat that lived out there, Baphomet like, you know, with a yeah. head and a human body. And yeah, you. it's funny. They uh, there are so many uh, cryptids, you know, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. throughout history, uh, so many different cryptids that there's no evidence for. You know, that they have just, it just keeps growing and growing these legends, you know. Exactly. Well, I mean, it, that that's what's cool is, uh, you know, when you grow up to kind of learn about the area you live in is to learn the urban legends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the legends of, uh, oh, uh, you wake up and... Uh, uh, in a, a, a bath full of ice and somebody wrote on the the mirror and lipstick, thanks for the kidney, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but we had more, I mean, because we grew up at a time where the uh, uh, satanic panic was happening. Yeah. We got more stories than than anything that there was occult rituals, child sacrifice, animal sacrifice. Oh yeah. At different places. I know that they said there was animal sacrifice at like flagpole Hill. Like oh at, yeah. Uh, what is that? Northwest highway or. Yeah. Northwest highway near a uh, white rock, you know, yeah. pretty close. Uh, yeah. It's just crazy. But everywhere has them, so I was just curious, you know, what uh, uh, what all of your friends, you know, they're just uh, ghost stories, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, this week we watched movies from 1970. Ouch. Uh, go ahead, what did you watch? So I wasn't sure because I was like trying to lean into one direction or another. I was like, well, I'll see a movie I haven't seen or I'll see a movie that not many people have seen or one I should have seen. And then I saw that uh, this movie that I watched that is on YouTube and it's called Even Dwarves Start Small. Huh. Well, yeah. Started Small. Yeah, uh, it'd be weird if it started big and got small. <laughs> but the, the, the main thing that pulled me in was this was written, produced, and directed by Warner Herzog. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a warning sign. So, what do you know Warner Herzog from? Uh, Batshit. <laughs> Batshit crazy? Yeah, yeah, batshit crazy. I just know him from the documentaries, and then more recently, he's become an actor of some kind. You know, uh, yeah, he, of some kind is right. He was, but but like he's in the Mandalorian. Like yeah. he, you know, he plays uh, an evil guy who's trying to uh, get Grogu for either the Empire or his own means. And then he even played like a real estate guy in Parks and Rec who is renting out a or selling a haunted house to Andy and April. Just because uh, his voice fits so well. Yeah, he's trying to get Grogu uh, so he can uh, uh, do a story about how Grogu uh, uh, used to be a dwarf. <laughs> That was his attraction, was Grogu was so tiny. Yeah. This is, okay, so first of all, let me put a disclaimer on this one. This film has disturbing elements to it, so before anyone decides to watch it, it has cockfights, animal death, dead animals, like dead pigs, uh, laying about. Yeah, it's it's very dark. This is his second film now. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it. I'm serious. It only gets weirder from here. It starts off with a man holding a card, 
and explaining stuff. And it's very hard to understand. It's subtitled. It's German. And Shelby had to read the Wikipedia to understand where the film starts because you don't quite get that in the film. It's an institution, and all of these little people are institutionalized, but they're rebelling at the point you start watching. They're they're throwing uh, things at the guy who's running it, who's also a little person. Huh. And he, and he's taken one of their people captive inside his office, and he's tied him up to basically keep him as a hostage to keep him safe. And he tells everyone, like, if you hurt me, I'll hurt him. Yeah, and then it, Warner Herzog added it again. It's so weird, and the laughter in it is like Gremlins, which is weird <laughs> because. If you take the gremlin scene from uh, the film where they're in the movie watching uh, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and, yeah. and the laughter of the gremlins matches almost exactly the laughter that's played in this film. Like they, they he almost encourages them to just keep laughing. It's almost like an insane well, laugh. Maybe uh, uh... It was Joe Dante, right, that did Gremlins. Did Gremlins, yeah. Maybe he had watched this film about dwarves and then had the Gremlins laughing at the dwarves in uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That might be it. I might dig deep to see if that's a Joe Dante thing that he did that because it's so weird because they – they're laughing so often, it just becomes a part of it. And then there's even this soundtrack to it, which sounds like screaming, a high-pitched screaming, and it, it makes you wish they had auto-tune back in the day. Oh, no. It's so and, and, it, and it's almost to the point where you have to turn off the movie because it goes on for a long time. A lot of the film is just them, the, the group that's rebelling picking on the smaller people in their group. Like they're almost just like, it's hard to explain. They're, they're mean to everybody, but as a group. So in the beginning, they take two of the smallest people and shove them in a room and say, you're getting married. And it's almost like seven minutes in heaven, but these are like adults, you know, and they shove them in this room. And then there's like this five minute, scene of of uh them two trying to get on the bed like one woman climbs up on the bed because he helps her and then he takes running jumps trying to get on the bed and he just can't it's just weird why it yeah takes place kind of like a dog trying to jump on the bed (laughs) yeah it was just it was strange and then like it doesn't really evolve to anything it just becomes madness they start setting all the – then there are the, these two blind little people, and they seem to be – you know, they live in an area. They cook for themselves and take care of for themselves, but they have, like, walking sticks to get around. They have a very difficult time. You can tell. These people come and steal their food and then treat them like <laughs> crap, and then – yeah, it's horrible. Like, everyone's wow. horrible to each other. And then, and then you read there is this scene that takes place in this kind of open area of the institution where they steal a car and they just have it driving in circles while they set uh, these clay pots of flowers on fire. And you find out, like in the film, that like uh, just from reading the backstory, one of the one of the actors caught on fire from the clay pot and was also run over by the car that had no driver that was just doing circles. <laughs> it's just it is batshit crazy but like he didn't die or anything he he just caught on fire they put it out the car ran over him and he popped up and he was fine <laughs> wow it, yeah and then they start throwing chickens in the office at the end and the guy in charge is picking up these chickens violently like he's shaking them they're it, it's very like you could tell there was nobody on set concerned about the safety of the animals or the people <laughs> that were in this film. Yeah, unbelievable. But it's weird you take a guy, yeah, you take a guy like Werner Herzog, this is his second film to the documentaries he's known for to just being a character actor in a Star Wars series. 
What a weird, <laughs> what a weird journey. I think that's why I picked it was it was just weird everything about it, and so yeah, that like, sounds like it. <laughs> nobody's seen this. It's available on YouTube, subtitled. But warning for animal lovers, it's tough to watch. For people who like music, this is the worst thing you could ever hear. <laughs> and this, it's just, and then the 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 shrieking laughter that is pretty much. I think the movie's an hour and forty seven minutes. The laughter seems to take place over an hour of the film. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, batshit crazy like all of Warner Herzog shit, you know? <laughs> so, um, what did you watch? Uh, I watched uh, MASH. Oh, yeah, I've seen MASH. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mainly because I love it, uh, and uh, I love Sally Kellerman, and she just died recently, so I wanted to see yeah. it. But I love Robert Altman films. Uh, I love uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I love all that stuff, you know. It's just a brilliant director, in my opinion. And I have always heard... All the uh, so many of the stories uh, from Mash and how they all came together, uh, you know, it, it was a really good place to work. You know, they all had a good time. They enjoyed each other. Uh, Ellie Gould is amazing. Donald Sutherland. Um, I think that's peak Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, oh, what's it? Robert Duvall's and that, you know. And, uh, you know, if you can get past uh, the fact that they're calling a black man Spear Chucker Jones, uh, you know... Uh, you know, people, uh, uh, kids growing up these days would have a hard time watching it for that reason. You know? Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting parts of our journey is watching how the adults made films like this. You know, my film was obviously exploitive of little people. Yeah. You know, but then if he doesn't put in those names in the film, I mean, it's weird because you know that those names were used and that kind of. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it was just uh, normal, you know, back then. So, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, it's a really great film. Uh, it was uh, uh, basically, you know, it was a film about Vietnam set in the Korean War, you know. Right. Uh, so, and then one of the few successful TV series spinoffs of a film yeah, that went longer than the actual war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, season finale of MASH for a long time was the highest rated television show ever, you know? Well, yeah, because at the time we only had three networks. Yeah. And you, you had a show that had run over a decade that everyone had just become so comfortable with uh, that they wanted to see how it ended and they couldn't even deal with it ending. They had after mash. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Trapper, Trapper John MD is a, a spinoff. Yeah. And I did think it was interesting that the actor that played radar was the only actor in both the movie and the television show. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I forget Renee Ar Renee Aubergine. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and then he I know him from Star Trek. Like it's weird going in there and going, Oh yeah. Yeah, he He's was the, also the in priest. in Benson. You yeah, know? yeah. I forgot about Benson. Yeah, he was good in Benson as well. Now now I'm you know what we should throw in a, a pilot episode from a from TV shows that premiered that same year too. That would be interesting to track down. Oh yeah. Like a Benson Benson pilot from his spinoff from Soap. Yeah, uh yes. Jesus Soap 
What a great show. I used to love watching soap. And it would be interesting to see the uh, the the kids these days uh, watch Billy Crystal play a gay guy and not be gay. And yeah. People just get so uh, up in arms about that. But that was like the first gay character on TV that I... Oh, yeah. Remember. Yeah, it was. I mean, Billy Crystal played... Sammy Davis Jr. in blackface, too, you know. He was a groundbreaking asshole all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what passed for comedy at the time. Uh People always, you know, it's weird because, you know, people look at Gen X like, you know, we just tolerated it. Like, we had any say-so in the films and stuff that were coming out at the time. Yeah, we weren't making them, so we had no idea it was bad at the time either, you know? Yeah, at this point, we've had five years of film that we've watched. So Gen X is five years old, and this is what we're being told about what the world is like. So interpreting the world through media is very interesting at that time period because... Uh, you just had limited people making films and telling stories. Yeah, that's true. So, what have you been watching lately? Well, I have an interesting debate for something I finished. Oh. I watched Joe versus Carol on Peacock, the series that was about uh, the Tiger King. Yeah. And so, my debate is, there are so many of these shows that are coming out that are based on true crime and uh, have already been either done as a podcast or a true crime series, where you get the actual facts to a series that is fictionalized, but based on real people. Do we need that? No, no, absolutely (laughs) not. Uh, we didn't need Tiger King either. I, I never saw a second of that thing, uh, but I remember when the pandemic started, everyone was losing their mind for it, you know? Well, it was weird because you had this, you know, dude who was doing this Tiger show that was just over the top. You hadn't really seen anything like this, and he had grown up here in Texas uh, so it really the interesting part is they give you they humanize it a little more they give you backstory and make you kind of feel some compassion for both people, but both people are pretty terrible. Uh, in that you know Joe is eventually convicted of killing animals and putting a murder hit out on Carol Baskins, you know, and but then you get his backstory and you kind of you feel bad for the dude in the things he dealt with growing up and shit. And with Carol, she manipulates people into, uh, you know, volunteering for free work at her uh, tiger sanctuaries. And she's, you know, very, like they show her in that, they show her, you know, being that mean, manipulative person early on. But as the show goes on, it kind of uh, digresses into she's a person who has a history and those his and some of those problems are these men. So it goes through her like her first marriage, her second marriage, where the guy disappeared, uh, and they wanted to blame her for the murder. But it turns out this guy might be living in another country, <laughs> with yeah, with uh, with like a young bride and all the money he took from her. Uh, it the backstory is interesting because I don't feel like we got that much of it in the documentaries and stuff. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I don't feel like we need these. But then the counterpoint is the performances are really fucking good. Like, you know, surprisingly, I wanted to watch Kate McKinnon be funny. And she is. I mean, she's playing a very odd character. And there are times you can laugh. But her and uh, Kyle MacLachlan plays her husband. They're so good together. Like, their scenes are fantastic. Like, he obviously is at another level of acting than yeah. Kate McKinnon is because yeah. uh, he's been doing it for so long. She reaches that level by the end of the series. Wow. Like, there are, se- there are scenes with her talking about her past, talking about abuse that really pull you in, that make you go, I, I never got that feeling from her ever in the documentary. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then there's like a scene with Joe Exotic when he takes the stand that becomes like this theatrical moment to be able to kind of tell his story in the way that Joe Exotic would tell it, which is very flamboyant and everything. And it was good. Like the dude that plays Joe is so goddamn good. He's from a film called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh-huh. And dude, I I look at him and I see Joe Exotic. Like he's he nails the voice, he nails the attitude. He's just so goddamn good at this. And even the supporting character's good. Like I said, Kyle McLaughlin plays the husband. There's an actor that plays one of uh, you know uh joe's husbands and joe's crew that uh uh work on the ranch they're all good they leave in every scene that's very rough to watch like uh one of the tigers chewing off someone's arm oh yeah yeah that was that was fucking wild and then joe you know like it isn't about the person it's about how it'll affect him so that meme of i'll never financially recover from this that's taken right after that tiger chews off that dude's arm. Wow. You know, and that's, that's where crazy. his head is. You, you, you don't feel for that guy because you see how shallow and empty he is because it's all about him. And this really shows his manipulative ways a lot more than the documentary did. Um, but yeah, it was, I was surprised how much I really dug it for it being a based on real story because they do say we fictionalized a lot of this. Huh. Uh, so I watched a show you recommended, uh, Fresh. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And, uh, <laughs> like, like you, uh, recommended, I went in, uh, Fresh. <laughs> I di- didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, I sh- should have said bring some subway so you could eat fresh yeah exactly uh, but yeah it was a it was a good film uh, hulu's been uh, coming up with some pretty decent stuff did you see no exit no i haven't seen no exit yet. yeah so you gotta check that out exit. okay yeah that's because yeah, shelby and i were looking good. at it and eyeballing it last night and uh we uh i just got added to a friend of mine's Plex server and uh, he's got the new Spider-Man film and I'm oh okay. I haven't been able to, to get to a theater so I'm finally going to get to watch it so tonight I'm fucking hyped. Yeah, it's really good. You, I, you will really enjoy it. I, I, I think it's uh, the best uh, Marvel film I think uh, of all, all right. of them, you know. So, yeah, uh, but maybe you have a different opinion, but I thought it was really good. And uh, Doctor Strange is an asshole, like always. Yeah. You know? uh, speaking of theater, I saw the Batman. Oh, and? I think it's my favorite Batman. Uh, my favorite Batman is Lego Batman. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to know all the history of Batman to appreciate the silliness of Lego Batman. You know, just how dark and brooding and rich he is. <laughs> just all the jokes. Yeah, my, my favorite Batman of all time is Adam West. You know, yeah, that was my first Batman, and I have a deep love for Adam. Uh, yeah, but uh, this Batman it was gritty. It was uh, more realistic, not so uh, CGI. You know, Colin Farrell as the Penguin. How was that? My God, he was great. And the makeup. Pays off. It's good. Oh, it's it's. You have no ideas, Colin Farrell. I uh, mean, you good. see it. I didn't know it was Colin Farrell, and then I checked uh, online to see who played the pink one, and they're like Colin Farrell. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, that's wild. No, it was incredible, man. Uh, and uh, I mean. Like I said, there weren't crazy gadgets. 
you know, the Batmobile looks kind of like a real car. You know what? I mean? It's not just out there. It's not. It's not the tank that Zack Snyder put together. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, every, who put the tumbler? Was that Zack Snyder or was that? No, Nolan Nolan did the tumbler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but this, uh, really, really good, man. I think you're going to, I mean, holy shit. John Tutoro. He's yeah. he's great, and, and speaking of uh, Tutoro, I finally got to see a really really fun movie, uh, the Jesus Rolls. Okay, now I'm very <sighs> skeptical of this. I'm gonna wait. Me seeing this on your review. Yeah, pretty good movie. It's it's not ridiculous or anything like that you finally found out about his uh uh, uh, uh sex issue uh sexual issue you know like that a fun film you know uh what's his name bobby cannavale uh, plays, I think, uh, his friend or his brother, or yeah, his friend, I think. Really good. I mean, I'll, he's a good actor, you know. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's not over the top. It's not cuckoo crazy. There's not a lot of bowling, you know. It, and it's... You almost Do you feel like you're back in the Lebowski world? No, no. It's not okay. not uh kooky Lebowski as much, but yeah, it's a fun it's not, you know, as good as a uh, Cohen writing, you know what I mean? Uh but it's fun. Uh speaking of Cohen writing <laughs> I saw Crime Wave. Crime, wa- Crime Wave is a movie from 1985, written by the Coens, directed by Sam Raimi. Oh, shit. It, okay. And it has Bruce Campbell in it. You know? Yeah, it's a really interesting film. I don't know why this isn't even on my radar. This yeah. sounds like everything I'd watch. Yeah, I think you'll like it, you know. So, really good film. I mean, uh, great uh, supporting cast, good dialogue. Uh, you can tell it's the Coens because they're in... Uh, 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 what is that movie? Oh, Huds, they're in Hudsucker Prison. Okay. <laughs> you know, so these worlds are colliding a little bit. But, yeah, it's really fun. I think you would enjoy it, you know? Okay. I'll check it out. I, You know, I knew that they were doing, well, not they, because it's John Turturro who wrote it, right? Uh, who, who wrote uh, The uh, Jesus the, the Rule? The Jesus movie. Yeah. Uh, I think so. He directed it, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm not sure if he wrote it. But it's worth a watch, you know. It's right. a, it's a Jesus, you know. Yeah. He, you and get, it came out during the pandemic, right? So it was yeah, like, yeah, 2019. So uh, you get to see him lick bowling balls again, you know. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it takes on a way different tone to watch people lick bowling balls now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Gypsy Kings show up in the jail cell playing Hotel California. Oh, shit. For real? Yeah, so it's uh, fun, you know. A bunch of callbacks and that kind of shit. Uh, But, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's worth a watch. 
All right, cool. Well, I, if I see it, I will definitely check it out. Yeah, it's free, like on Tubi or Plex or oh, something. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, a crime wave, one word. But yeah, check it out. Uh, you can always go into my Twitter and every movie I watch, I post where I watched it. And it'll say yeah. if it's on Tubi or Pluto TV. I'm in the middle of watching this movie right now, uh, which is, uh, uh, it's uh, about Bob Dylan. And there are all these actors who are playing him. And, uh, oh, I do remember this. I remember this coming out a while back. So, uh, Kate Blanchett is playing Dylan and he, she's amazing as Dylan, you know? All right. Yeah. And Richard Gere plays, uh, uh, not Dylan, but it's Dylan-esque Billy the Kid, you know. It's all crazy yeah. and shit. And, and uh, Heath Ledger plays a Dylan character, too, you know. So, yeah. Really? Oh, fuck. I didn't know about that either. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's called Not, Not From There or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a fun movie, you know, uh, and there's lots of uh, Dylan music and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of a fun film. So, yeah, I think it's on uh, Pluto TV for free. So, yeah, yeah, check that out. I do like Pluto for that, just being able to browse through their channels. And if you see a film that's like in the middle of it, it'll say it's on demand. You can just watch it from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, what else have you been watching? Um, not much. Uh, <laughs> I watched. Uh, let's see here. Get my notes. Um, oh, I watched Batman '89. That's right, because <laughs> we started to do a Batman rewatch. Oh, okay. And when you said that, I was like, because it's so funny that everyone looks back at the Tim Burton as the dark and gritty reboot, you know, but compared to Batman 66, yeah, it was dark sure. because of the look, but it's so funny to watch now because it's just not the same tone as like the Batman you just saw. Yeah. The one I just saw was way more dark, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I started... The action sequences are better. Uh, I started calling him Brood Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, going back and rewatching this, you get, you know, you get Bruce Wayne, Michael Keaton, who's just kind of a quiet dude. You don't, you know, his Bruce Wayne is not putting on the fake drunk, you know, like uh, uh, Christian Bale did, you know, to kind of throw everyone off. He, you know, he he uh, talks with Vicky Vale, who's dressed. She's supposed to be like this fashion person, but when she came on the screen in in the Wayne party, Shelby just starts laughing. She goes, "That dress is straight out of the '80s. Oh, it's yeah. just this big poofy dress." And every, you know, all the guys are in tuxes, and she's supposed to stand out because her dress is white and against all the black background. And it's just so funny to see because it dates that movie right there, like. Prince doesn't date the movie. The look of the movie doesn't date it. It's just that it's what she wears that looks so funny in that film. Yeah, uh, I just, man. I watched it about a month ago, you know. I went back and watched every uh, Batman, Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever. Batman Forever. I watched all the Dark Knight ones, you know, because I was getting ready to watch the Batman. So, yeah, I just checked all that stuff. I watched all the Spider-Mans, too. So. You should, uh, I know you're on, uh, what's the review app you use for? Oh, Letterbox. Letterbox. You need to check out my buddy from my other podcast, Daniel. Uh, he 
uh, he listed all the Batman movies from Batman 66 up to now. And he included all the animated ones. And I didn't realize there are 41 Batman films from 1966 to today, live action and animated. Wow, that's a lot of Batman movies. (laughs) Oh, shit. But this Batman in Batman 89 is so toned down, subdued. Like, the biggest action sequence, because the suit is so hard for him to move in, is he fights a guy who brings out these swords and then he uses his, you know, his forearms and uh, the guards that he has on his shins to block it. So it's just like, you know, you're getting these sparks fly off from every sword hit. But there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of, you know. And in fact, when I was talking about it earlier, a buddy of mine, Josh, said, yeah, well, you know, John Peters, the, the infamous producer who wanted to put... Uh, a giant spider in uh, the end of Spider or Superman Returns, but ended up putting it in the Wild Wild West. He's the one who asked for that big ending where Batman has to just climb all these stairs. He goes, you know, the Joker obviously takes Vicky Vale up to the top of this bell tower because that's what John Peters wanted, and then just fights with he just fights henchmen, and then the Joker's kind of trapped and. He has a helicopter, but that kind of dooms him as well. It's just all bad choices at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I remember when it came out, I was, uh, I went to see it in the theater. I was all kinds of hyped. Uh, but I, I'm just kind of looking at the screen like, huh? <sighs> but, you know, I think that if Keaton. When Keaton plays this Batman, it adds so much to when he plays Vulture or he plays Birdman in his other films. It's like this Quentin Tarantino layer that he likes to do in all his films where the actors he casts are very similar to the actors, uh, you know, in the sense of like the type of uh, roles they're doing. Like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, he uses the guy from Justified, Timothy Oliphant. Who is who is a great actor who just can't seem to break through in films a lot, but he's a great Western guy, a great TV guy, uh, and he kind of played that same kind of role in Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, he also uses uh, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction because he can dance. <laughs> Man, you know, like all the layers to you know, we could spend days talking about the layers. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's put puts in his films uh but that's what's fun going back through these and seeing kind of where these ideas came from because he is uh, a gen x creator yeah he's getting these ideas from these films and tvs that we grew up watching oh yeah definitely uh yeah i want to uh, see uh, django versus django there's a documentary about uh uh, Tarantino and the guy that made the first Django movies, you know, in the 60s. So, yeah, yeah, the Italian director. So, it's kind of interesting to check all that shit out. Uh, but, um, uh, I, I had anything else. I've been wa- uh, watched the second season of Upload came out, and I. L- I that I love watching that show. It's on Amazon Prime, but the first season oh, okay. was really good, and uh, now I'm watching the second season. And it's pretty good so far. And it's funny. What's how, it about? Uh, so uh, in the future, uh, when you die or w- before you die, you can upload your consciousness. To the metaverse. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the rich people have this metaverse and the poor people have a cheap metaverse, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's kind of funny how it's, and, uh, uh, they have uh, real life people who are called their angels that can come in 
to the metaverse from real life when they wear VR goggles. And so, yeah, it's batshit crazy, but but I like it. You know, it's okay. very interesting. You know, cool. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of fun. Uh, and, uh, I watched, uh, the forever purge. Oh yeah. Okay. The last in the purge series. I yeah. love those movies. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of fun. Uh, I just uh, ripped, uh, the first purge the other day. So love I, that one. Ethan Hawke and Lena Headley. Yeah. I need to check that out too, but, uh, uh, so I have I've watched a couple of zombie movies too. Yeah. A uh, yeah. Land of the Dead. Romero. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, Dennis Hopper was fun in the film, and I watched uh, Dawn of the Dead from uh, 2004. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now in Land of the Dead, did you see um, um, Edgar Wright makes a cameo with Simon Pegg? They're both uh, uh, zombies in oh. that film. Oh, uh, yeah, I yeah. didn't see that. That they're used as uh, you can get your picture taken with a zombie as part oh, of the setup. Oh, yeah. That was both of them. In they the were standing behind people and they couldn't buy them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that part. And John Leguizamo's great. Yeah, he is pretty good. Yeah, I I thought it was a pretty good zombie film. Yeah, I you know I'm just glad nobody's kind of taken over to do more of those Romero themed films. That he has his whole block of films. They are the way they are, and uh, I love them. Uh, yeah, the the new Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, it was okay. You yeah, know? it's fun. Yeah, it was a fun film. And you can... I mean, you get James Gunn directing, so you get, like, weird shit. Uh, or no, it's a James Gunn script. I'm sorry. It's a James Gunn script and a Zack Snyder directing. Yeah. So you get Zombie Baby. Yeah, I love Zombie Baby. Um, I, I, I love the guy, what's he called? The guy who, he you got Twitchers? He has yeah. different names for zombies. Twitchers and, then, and uh, smelly zombies or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but, just a, that, that's a pretty good cast, too. And it, what's great is it has the dad from Modern Family in it playing a character nothing like the dad. Yeah. He's just a creepy dude who owns a boat so he can manipulate people uh, to work for him so that they can get out of the mall. <sighs> they they embrace the mall way more than the original Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. Where, where the original Dawn of the Dead, the concept was that people were so affected by consumerism that when they died, they just go back to the mall because that's what they know. They just are, that's their purpose is to feed uh, capitalism. And in this one, it has no kind of, like, theme to it. It's just survival. Yeah, just survival. I did uh, like the guy on the roof across the way, and they would play chess with him and stuff like that. I thought it was kind of funny. And I yeah, like the, I love that kind of idea of an outbreak where you can communicate with survivors. Yeah, and I like the dog. They didn't go after the dog, you know. That's kind of fun. Uh, you can have him run around and send messages. And <laughs> very cool. Yeah, but that's uh, 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 one uh, Gen X movie I watched. Uh, haven't watched in years. Uh, Dark Man. Oh shit! Sam Raimi and Liam Neeson is yeah, Darkman, right? He's Dark Man. Early Liam Neeson. Yeah, and his girlfriend was who? I don't know. I can't remember. Fargo. No shit, really? Yeah. 
That oh his, that was his girlfriend. We're gonna th- I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch these. Yeah, I know uh, there's three Darkman movies, right? Yeah, well, I've only seen the first one, but uh, yeah, Darkman. Uh, um, I, I think if Sam Raimi doesn't do Darkman, he doesn't get to direct Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. But yeah, uh, Sea Crime Wave and Dark Man, a couple of uh, 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 Gen X movies, you know. Well, I, I say Batman is Gen X. Oh yeah, because that that eighty nine version was the year I graduated high school. So like we we're doing what seventy one next year. That's the year I'm born. Uh-huh. So I'm, not sure which which film I'm going to lean into, but I always feel like Batman '89 is Gen X Batman. It's it's all about the look, not so much the action. It's very much dark and brooding, uh, but it's also the a, a, a turn for the first time since Batman '66, where Batman is kind of darker than the campy version. Yeah, and it just continues to get darker up to the Batman now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so next week uh, we have uh, 1971. Uh, I will get my pick ready and let you know, and you do the same. Uh, so yeah, well, I think I might just try to find some. I might just like either go super weird again, or just find something that was released around the time I was born. Uh huh. And, and just randomly pick that one. Yeah, I have a. Uh, 72. I was born in 72, so uh, uh, I'll worry about that uh, next next, <laughs> next, week. next week. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're done. I have to pee. It's time to pee. Oddly enough, I have to as well. I've <laughs> been drinking the soul episode. Alrighty. We'll see everybody again uh, next week. Uh, ciao. Stay safe. <laughs> Bye.